Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 317. Today is Friday, October 6th. We have been releasing our teaching series, um, the, the teaching series from the past. We're currently, you know, we're we're moving ahead with new teaching series, all that, but we're starting to release them in podcast form. And the next one that gets released tomorrow, October 7th, is Kitchen Table Kingdom with Harmony Klingenmeyer. And it is absolutely fantastic. Those, um, you know, it's just been amazing to see Harmony and I were talking about backstage. She was on, I think, last Friday, and it was just an amazingly powerful episode. We got a lot of great feedback from it. Um, but just how God has really just moved her into this new level. And it's been amazing. And, um, but her message is still the same. And it's something that God has given her a lot of authority to speak in. And that's the mountain of family. Now I know what you're thinking, Jeff, I don't have kids, big whoop. I'm going to skip this one. The thing that really surprised me. And first off, my sister, Jen hosted that one. Cause I was like, they're going to be talking about parenting. And I really feel like my, my sister being a parent, I am not a parent yet that she would be a really great fit. And she was like, Oh oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Super excited. Um, and, uh, but the thing that was amazing about that series is that harmony talks a lot about, um, she talks a lot about identity, personal, like, like knowing your identity, because if you know your identity, you can lead your kids in that as well. And, um, you know, they always say you can only lead people as far as you've gone. And so um, it's an amazing series, you guys. So I really, really recommend it. Even if you're not a parent, it's still heavily applicable. If you guys haven't noticed last Friday when we talked about family deliverance, what did she talk a lot about? What did she address? She addressed you, the the, the listener. Um, and so that's kind of her approach with everything, even with parenting, which is amazing because it's like, hey, a lot of this stuff is going to fall into place when you, you know your identity. And so it's amazing. Um, anyways, I digress. Check it out. It launches tomorrow. All episodes. I think there's actually five episodes. We did four and then a bonus one. Um, but again, that drops tomorrow, Saturday, October 7th. Check it out. Listen to it over the weekend while you do stuff. Um, all right, guys. Every time you guys donate to ElijahStreams.com slash donate, you know what happens. It keeps us being able to do this show, uh, bringing you fresh prophetic words, fresh teachings. Um, and, uh, you know, we really, really appreciate that. But we also, you get it on the wells. Even if you donate five bucks, we take a portion of that and we put it into our wells. Um, we just got a new update from, uh, from the people of Uganda, uh, from Show Mercy International over there. Uh, let's take a look and then we're going to get going. In the midst of Rose and her friend Kamiati's joyous celebration of the drilling of a new water well, a painful memory from Rose's past comes to mind. Both Justine, Rose's daughter, and Amina, Kamiati's daughter, would routinely get up early in the morning in order to make the trek to the closest water source. As the girls were collecting water one morning, Justine ventured too far into the deeper water and tragically drowned. It's been seven years since Justine's untimely passing. There hasn't been any other options for water. 
but that's all changing. The prayers of Rose and her friends for a pure, clean water source have been answered, and they are overwhelmed by God's goodness. This new water well is the result of the generosity shown by you, our Elijah Streams partners. The difficult journey to the polluted water source for Rose and her neighbors is almost at an end, and it's because of you. Donate online at ElijahStreams.com donate, or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. So that's something that we don't think about. Obviously, there's waterborne illness, but sometimes it can just be falling in and not knowing how to swim and drowning. And it's a really horrible, horrible thing. And so, guys, your your donations, even if it's felt small to you, has been giant in the spirit. And people are being impacted because of these this this prayer of clean water being met. They're uh, exponentially more open to the gospel, and that uh, we've seen a lot of amazing things as a result of that. So thank you guys so much. All right, um, I'm looking forward to having this guest back because it's been it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since I have gotten to interview her, and hang out with her. It's not really even an interview; we just hang out. Um, so. For those who don't know who she is, a lot of you, most of you do. Uh, she's a very, very, uh, very powerful prophetic voice, a revivalist, a teacher, an author. She's also the founder of Arise Kingdom Ministries. Let's give it up for Krista Elisha. Krista Elisha. Hello, hello. Hey, did you know, everybody, it's no ordinary day. It is what day is today, Krista? Besides it's, it being Friday, it's my birthday. Woo! I've made it 29 years old, 39, 39 years old. <laughs> Actually, I see in the chat, uh, Bonnie and Aaron, they're two of my mentees in uh, Elisha's Mantle Mentoring, and Bonnie makes the cutest freaking yes. cookies. I was just gonna say that. If anybody needs cookies, Bonnie, why don't you tell people in the live chat how they can order cookies? Can they order cookies? Oh my gosh. I wish super I, cute. I wish I had had one in here, but she made me so they we have this joke that I'm like Miss Frizzle. Cause I take everybody on these spiritual uh -huh. adventures. Right. And so they sent me cookies with Miss Frizzle on them for my birthday. And they're like the most adorable freaking things. She's so talented. I was like, how yeah. do you get this on a cookie? Yeah. I can't even like icing a cake without it being a mess. And so, yeah. Yeah. Bonnie, you got to tell Amazing. us, don't hold out. I know you're there. You can't get bashful on us. Tell us. Yes, they can go. Okay. Guys. This is how you can go order cookies from Bonnie. All right. I'm going to tell everybody, whether you're listening to the podcast or whether you're watching this live, it's okay. Hold on. Wait, I, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do something special. All right. Hold on. Bonds. We're doing this real time. Okay. So it's bonds cookie co at, at shopify.com. Okay. Boom, right there. Bonds Cookie Co. at Shopify.com, not co. Ignore the co on there, guys. Again, if you're listening to this, I want you to listen to me closely. It's <laughs> B-O-N-S-C-O-O 
K-I-E-C-O at Shopify.com. That's Bonds Cookie Co. at Shopify.com. You're welcome, guys. We just want to bless people. We want to bless Bonnie. Nice. She's awesome. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, everybody, let's sing to Krista. Let's sing oh, at Krista, all right? Okay. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Crystal. Happy birthday to you. Yay. <laughs> Fireworks. Oh, man, how how full circle um, vindicating is that? Since the very first time I was on Elijah's streams, do you remember I sang America the Beautiful? Uh-huh, I remember. Oh my goodness. Did you see me die to myself? I did, like, but you actually have a good singing voice. So it wasn't like wasn't... I was like, Jesus, help me. Because uh -huh. I'm I'm I just oh. dying a little bit inside. I had to die to myself, die. Mm -hmm. I had to crucify my flesh. Yeah. So and Papa Scott, my you know, he literally like recorded it. And every time I turn around when he's bragging on me to somebody, he plays that of me singing. To anyone who will listen, it's super cute. But thank you. That was super sweet. Yeah. Bonnie, did is is it not can they not write you a bonds cookie co at Shopify.com? You said you messed up and posted like a different link. Cause I gotta know this. Because I don't want people to I don't want I, I wanna I don't want to lead people astray. Some some on Instagram too, Aaron's sharing it in the comments too. Yeah. So she actually posted the link. I saw it. Awesome. Yeah. So people can look in the, the live chat after this is over um, for any further information. Super, super adorable. All right. So uh, Krista, we got uh, a great, great message. We were talking about it a little bit backstage. I'm going to let you set it up and then we're going to talk about it. Yeah. So everyone knows that we have crossed over into a, a new Hebrew New Year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you follow, if you're on here, you've probably followed the prophetic voices, many of them that are talking about this being the year of the door. And, um, you know, I, I was just praying and asking the Lord what he was saying about this year, because it's really important to me that I'm not reading other people's prophetic words and then right. just parroting things. And, you know, I find that oftentimes when I separate myself um, to hear from the Lord about seasons that he gives me uh, expanded revelation, I should say, or he gives me like a different uh, perspective than what other voices might be saying, which I love because it's unique. And, and we, he has many prophetic voices um, that are, you know, we might be saying the same thing, but from different vantage points. Because one of the big things in the prophetic um, that I've noticed is that whatever your office is um, or the people that you're called to, you're actually going to prophesy from the place of your your calling because that's what you're focused on. Okay, or, yeah. You know, yeah. so if I ask, um, if I ask somebody who's a prophetic voice, but their, their second function is evangelist, right. Then 
what we're going to hear from that kind of person, what God is speaking to them about is going to be about the lost. It's going to be about, um, you know, keeping your eyes on Jesus or, you know, pointing to Jesus, because that's really what evangelists do. It's it's all about Jesus. And then it's all about bringing people to Jesus. Right. If you ask somebody who like my, my friend Genevieve Skidmore, she's First Nations and she'll release prophetic words. And oftentimes she'll release prophetic words, but she's releasing them to the First Nations people because that's who she's called to. Right. Yeah. Even though her prophetic words oftentimes will have to do with generally like the body of Christ at large. But she'll always release them from the vantage point of these are the people that I'm called to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of apostles are going to prophesy things that are more about movements. Shepherds are going to prophesy things about local church bodies. Um, prophet prophets are going to rebuke everybody's socks off. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, yeah, which is fine. And we appreciate that very much. I do. Yeah. I love a good rebuke from the Lord because um, it's just him recalibrating our focus and our hearts back to him. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I know or I've heard that there, there have been a lot of negative. There's been a lot of negative prophetic narrative about this next word or this next year. And that's really not what I'm getting at all. Um, right. And that's what, you know, we're talking about backstage and I've been vocal about that because just to kind of set up what you're going to talk about is like, we have, I think what you're describing too is, you know, different prophetic voices speaking into where their area of expertise is or where they're called to. And if you're just listening to one, suddenly all the others, you know, we know in part, we see in part, all, you know, Paul talks about that. We see through a glass dimly and that's why we need the body of Christ. Robin Bullock has often said when words like this come, he's like, we're all looking at the same mountain, you know, uh, but we're at different angles. And so if you're sitting there going, no, there's vegetation, you're like, no, it's rocky with a little vegetation. And another person's like, no, it's completely dark and in shade and just rocky. You know what I mean? So like there's different dimensions to a mountain, different facets, everything. So I think I made my point, but I, I think if you're just focused on one, you can, you can look at all the others and go, they got it wrong. They're all wrong. And I'm like, no, I think it's important to take all these words. And as someone who functions in this arena of being a hub in some measure, I see all these words and I actually might see how they, and Steve is the same. We might see how they fit a little bit better than someone who say just focused on one arena, not saying that we have the answers, but just saying I have a, I have tend to have more of a bird's eye view of all these prophetic words because I see, and I hear a lot of them, but anyways. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that, I mean, I love that Elijah list. Um, you guys are, you really do use discernment and multiple levels to, to go through a word, you know what I mean? Um, to, to, to check it and to weigh it. Um, and, and I really appreciate that. But I think that one of the big things that you have to focus on is that God's narrative towards the church is always going to be glorious. Hmm. It's always going to be good. 
And even if we don't, even if the news does not initially sound good, those of us who are in Christ, uh, we've been given God's extravagant grace to overcome anything that in our natural um, disposition, we would not be able to overcome, you know, his grace or his power is made perfect in our weakness. And um, that was the word that God started to give me and started speaking to me about um, a new move of church that is going to be emerging. And I mean, I feel like it's already been happening um, in, in a way, but that there's about to be a, a huge like new wave of um, this new thing that God is doing. And it's funny because I say new thing because to the Western culture, it, it seems like a new thing, but it's actually not a new thing at all. It's it's a, a return to the ancient path, like the, the original blueprint that God had for the church and for multiplication and for evangelism. And it's it's really about the restoration of family. And I mean, and I've been saying this for several years now, and, and I've seen God's given me, I mean, I think like the last five major prophetic words um, or national prophetic words that I've released to the Elijah list mm -hmm. have in somewhere or another, like showed me on a micro level um, what God is doing um, in the way of like a grassroots movement. Um, and just recently he gave me um, a really incredible encounter where he showed me what's going to be happening to, to the churches we know it in, in the Western society. And it's awesome. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Um, but praying at the beginning of the crossover into the new year, the very first thing that I saw was a mouth and a door. And uh, the Lord said that the mouth is a door. And he gave me um, Psalm 24. And Lat, it was just confirming what he told me last year, which was, you know, when we moved into 2023, he said, this is going to be a Psalm 23 year where you learn to be led by me and to rest in me and to allow me to anoint you in the presence of, you know, your enemies. And then he said, but I'm moving you into a Psalm 24 year. So 2024 will be the Psalm 24 door uh, where me, where I come in as the King of glory. Hmm. And um, the, it begins with, you know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right. And so immediately Psalm 24, it begins to speak about God owning everything. He owns everything. The earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it mm -hmm. belongs to him. And then it says, um, open up you gates, swing wide, you ancient doors of destiny for the king of glory is about to come through you. And who is this king of glory? He is the Lord God, strong and mighty in battle. Right. And so moving into 2024, the body of Christ needs to remember that our mouths are the gates and the doors that the King of glory comes through. Mm. And so as we decree things 
the decree is going to open up doors um, for everything that we need. So what we confess is actually what we're going to be creating in this season. Um, and this is also going to be the year of God's superabundant benevolence, like his charity and um, goodwill towards people. Mm. And it's also going to be the year of um, the invitation specifically. So I just kind of feel to share what like the Lord showed me and how I yeah. got all of this. Um, Cause I, I feel like when I share like, about the visions or the encounters that I have, it gives people one testimony so that God can do it for them too. Um, but might help them understand things and, and how I process prophetic things. But um, I saw a vision of the Lord carrying hit the bride across a threshold and he was bringing her in to his house. Right. And so we're actually on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. And <clears throat> this is actually the, the feast of the Lord that is associated with the bridal party where um, when Jesus comes for his bride, he essentially like the, it, it's, he comes and he takes you back to his father's house. Cause that was the Hebrew custom that the, the bridegroom would come unannounced after he had finished preparing a place for his bride. It would be a room that he had built on the back of his father's house. And for the first year of a Hebrews cu uh, couple's marriage, they actually lived in an extra room um, off of the groom's father's house. So when Jesus, you know, made these comments like, um, I go to prepare a place for you, like, or in my father's house, there are many mansions or there's many rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, he was speaking about the many sons that he was going to have in his father's house that were going to be in his father's house. And then he says, he skips over and he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He's, he's using uh, fa family and marriage covenant covenantial metaphors to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like and uh, how his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ultimate last day return is going to look like, right? And then you see him at the feast at Cana's, or the wedding at Cana's, where it all started. His, his, his ministry started with a wedding, and it ended with him saying, it's finished my bride, right? If you... Mm -hmm. The word in, in Hebrew, if you look it up, when he said it is finished, uh, and it's a homonym. So it means it is paid in full in Greek, uh, but in Aramaic, it actually, he said my bride, right? So it's all about him living in intimacy and in oneness with him in his house as a family. And the year of extravagant grace is he is going to be carrying us in this year. Hmm. Um, so I feel like for many, 
right now that, and even like the, the, the new, um, generals in the faith that are arising, right. Uh, many that you have on this channel, actually, like the, the ones that are stepping into the mantles of the generals that are beginning to take a, a seat to the side so that the, the new ones can, can rise up. Mm -hmm. Um, for many of these these new ones, we have been in this process of uh, learning what it looks like to be a faithful bride. Hmm. We have oh. been in this process of hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent. Like, yeah. hey, you know, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be true? Are you going to be submitted? Are you going to be surrendered? Like, are you going to allow the spirit to? put you through the process of the purification and, and the cleansing um, in order to enter into this, the Lord's house to steward the Lord's house. Right. Cause that's mm -hmm. the job of the wife is to care for the house, to care for the family. Mm. You know, yeah. that see, we see this language in scripture and, and if you just go deeper, like, well, what does it mean to be the bride of Christ? Well, it means to be his wife. So how does a wife, how is a wife to love her husband? And, and what is the wife's role in, in the household? Well, she cares for the house and for the family, right? She mm -hmm. provides food, she cooks, you know, um, she, she is submitted in partnership to her husband. I mean, that's, that's how we, when we're in covenant relationship with Jesus should look. And, and it's been a hard process, man, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. no, no flesh will glory in his presence, man, I tell you. And so it's just been this huge, like cutting away of, of everything that we thought we knew. And, and even for me personally, and I'm sure that there's other people that can relate to this, a cutting away of, um, or a, a mass, massive separation between what I thought church and community and, you know, our faith walk was supposed to be like within the last three years, it had, I have went through, I mean, all of us have went through this massive deconstruction, Yeah, you know? And it, it really is a sanctification process. And for those of us that have been faithful and we've been surrendered and um, we've been willing to allow him to carry us, because that's another thing too. It's, it, it's humility, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, um, I have always felt insecure whenever anybody tries to like pick me up and carry me. Like the first thing I worry about is, Oh my gosh, I'm too heavy. Like they're going to drop me. I feel like, like that's like every, a lot of women feel that. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, well, except yeah. for Lauren with you because you're, a well, no, but she like, I don't want to like out Lauren, but I mean, she's tiny, but like, I, I don't know. I, I think it is something that a lot of women, yeah, elimination says I can confirm. Ladies in the comments are probably going, "Yeah, it is a girl. It is a lady thing." But it is, yeah. I mean, well, and I mean, guys don't generally get picked up and carried or anything. No, but uh, usually, but as a joke by their guy friends. 
but so, you know. but it is, it, and it it's it's worrisome. It's um, yeah. it takes trust. It takes faith, like that my husband's not going to drop me. Um, and it takes humility to lean in and put all your weight on your husband in order for him to to carry you. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that is. I, I feel like for many of us, that's the last phase of entering into like our high calling, mm-hmm. right? Is, are you going to lean back on the everlasting arms of Jesus totally and entirely and, and, and surrender your need and your desire to walk on your own two feet in exchange for allowing him to take you where is it's best for you to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of dependency on the Lord is, I mean, it's, it's like a baptism into a whole new kind of death to self. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, you're listening to this and you've been in this place of like, oh my gosh, like you're, you're talking to me. That's what I've been feeling like right now is like, I, where he's calling me, I can't get there on my own. Like I can't do this by myself. I, I am incapable of it. Then there is this incredible invitation. Like the Lord is inviting you to lean on him entirely and to, to not lean on your own understanding. Right to in all of your ways, acknowledge him, involve him, invite him, inquire of him, and he will make your path straight. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Right. And, and that's the beginning of wisdom. And I feel like for the people that did not get it, when it all went down in 2020. They're going to have to get it in this season or their lampstands are going to be removed. Yeah. Um, well, and to that, Krista, I feel like, and this is something that like, hmm, I, I, I say this with all love and compassion towards people, but I'm like, be mindful that like whatever, I know there's a lot of people that have put their focus on Trump and put their focus on all these things. And I'm like, yeah, like I I'm standing on a lot of those words that have been released and all of that too. But it's like, it's like that is one moment in time of a greater thing that God is doing. And rather than focusing all of your, all of your, if, if this applies to anybody, all your time and energy on this one thing, well, then what? Like, okay, it gets fulfilled, but then what? It's like, if you're looking at a point in time, a fixed point in time, you are moving forward in time towards that fixed point in time. The problem that happens is at some point, you are no longer looking ahead, okay? Because once you reach that point in time, you now pass that moment in time. And if you're focused on that point in time, now you're walking backwards going forward in time, if that makes sense. Your focus is on a fixed point. To me, it's, I'm like, God's going to do what he's going to do. 
I, I got to be about his business. God, what do you have for me to do? And I think that I feel an urgency within the body of Christ to really equip people and encourage, just encourage people. I'm an encourager. I'm an instiller of hope, all those things. But like, what, what are your marching orders and asking God that like, God, what are my marching orders for this fall and, and winter, but then also just next year, especially in 2024. Yeah, no. And I, I totally agree with you on all of that. And, you know, I was one of the ones I believed that I knew what the Lord was saying mm -hmm. in regards to Trump. Um, but then there have been times throughout the past couple years that he's asked me, you know, what if I've changed my mind? Hmm. Um, and what if this doesn't happen that... And these are just questions that he asked me. And right, so please don't deeper. everybody take this and like get yeah, don't, don't fear and anxiety. Up. Like yeah. no, no, no. You have to understand my relationship with the Lord is that He asks me questions, and when He asks me a question, I go on a you know a pursuit to find the answer. Um, and if and if I don't find the answer, oftentimes what these questions do is they search my heart. So that I come into a deeper revelation of God's character and nature, because yeah. that's really what it's all about, guys. At the end of the day, it's all about relationship with Jesus. It's all about relationship with the Father. It's about having a family in God and having God meet all of your needs. And then he begins to supply things naturally that you need. I, I don't, it, but that's what he does with me. It's, mm -hmm. it's my, me understanding him better. And so I'm not saying that he has changed his mind. I'm saying that he's asked me, what if I did? And then he said, well, what if I decided to put that mantle of Cyrus on my remnant so that they would begin to reform culture from the bottom up rather than the top down? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I'm, that's really interesting, God. And he's like, well, if you look, you'll see, I have put the, the, the Cyrus mantle on the remnant. He said, and so, although there is a war happening on mountaintops right now and on high places that he said, I often choose to release macro movements through micro environments because my awesome. kingdom is like yeast that a woman folded into a lump of dough that began to rise and permeated the entire batch. And so in this season, uh, again, we are, we are in this place where although there is battles for seats happening in the high places, Jesus has not come off his throne. He is the highest seat above every other name and every other power in all creation. And he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his good purpose. So this nation was called according to God's good purpose. Mm -hmm. All right. So. This nation, as long as there are believers in this nation, 
God is going to make everything that was meant to destroy us, to harm us, to dismantle us. He will make it all work together for our good. Because yeah. there is a remnant there's a, that, of, that love him. And we can see that even with, I mean, guys, like mega liberal president and Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> like, yep. I, you, and not only that, but the, the massive amount of believers that I have seen rise to the occasion and begin to use their voices and step into their callings and step into destiny and begin to literally impact and shift and change culture all because an election was stolen. Hmm. Right. And that's, I mean, it's incredible that God has used what was meant to harm us for our ultimate good. Yeah. And so, and, and he just, that's just his nature. That's who he is, you know? Um, but I really believe that, you know, as we're moving forward into 2024 and I know it's October, but this is when God gives me all the downloads about all the things that are going to, going to happen next year. Cause to him, this is the new year. This is the beginning of, of his new year. Mm -hmm. Um, there we're going to see this this rise of specifically of women leaders and voices and i've been saying this for years anyway and and i used to not say it so much or so boldly because i myself am a woman and it's like you know you get so much pushback being a female voice that uh -huh. um you're not trying to like toot your own horn or anything yeah. but i mean it's true like we're going to see women um that are fiery apostolic um motivators for the kingdom of god uh rise to the forefront in this hour and we're actually going to see um men that have been trusted voices in the nation begin to uh champion these women as as mordecai's and as um boaz too the the mantle of boaz who married or he covenanted himself um to to ruth and covered her and provided for her Right. So that she could step into her calling to be a mother to mm. the next generation and to provide for widows. So so there's there's that, too. Um, and it's all been about this purification process for for us to get us out of the way. Yeah. So that good. we can step into the higher place and know how to take care of his house, specifically yeah. how to take care of God's family. And um, I know a lot of people, um, they were saying they were seeing 9-11 every, everywhere and they were thinking that that was like a call to emergency. But to, oh, me, interesting. to me, that's not. When I see 9-11, I instantly think of Amos 9-11, where God says, um, and I will restore the fallen tabernacle of David. Right. Mm. And so the fallen tabernacle of David is God's house. And. David specifically became, he was a worshiper, but he was also a king, right? Mm -hmm. And he was a warrior, but he was also Jesus's adopted father. 
So it's about restoring God's family and it's about the spirit of adoption for God's house to be full, to bring lost sons and daughters back home Hmm. to him. And you do that through creating an atmosphere, a portal of heaven, a door of destiny, right? Or a gate of glory Mm -hmm. through singing and intercession, right? Prayer. Well, I believe it's, it's worship, intercession, and invitation. You know, I love uh, Psalm 68. He says he's uh, that God is a champion friend to the widow and he is um, he puts the lonelies, the lonely in, in families. And I, and I feel that, you know, just like you were talking about with Harmony, that one of the biggest things of her kitchen table kingdom is all about parents understanding their identity. Yeah. Well, we live in an orphan culture. Mm hmm. And that's why there is so much confused confusion. Nobody knows who they are. And, you know, being Americans is even worse because as Americans, we're a giant melting pot of all these different cultures from these different places around the world. And, and see those places, they can identify themselves with their culture, right? Like, this is who I am because this is the culture that I come from. And these are the values and the traditions that we have being in this culture. But for us Americans, we don't have that. And that's why there is, of all of the the nations of the world that um, participate in like Ancestry.com and 23andMe, it's primarily Americans because yeah. we don't know who we are. Yeah, it's and an identity crisis. And we're seeking to know who we are. Uh-huh. And right? that manifests in a lot of different ways. I think the obvious one is, you know, like the gender dysphoria and things like that. Right. But it goes beyond that, too. Um, so, yeah. So the only way that we can know who we are is by knowing the father. And I I know for myself personally that. Until I had somebody to model what Jesus looked like to me, Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to be able to relate to him as a father. Right? So, like, this isn't a secret. Everybody knows I love Todd White. And Mm -hmm. I, I love Todd White because he was the first person that I saw live like I felt that Jesus must have lived when you read the gospels. Mm -hmm. And I would listen to Todd White or I would watch videos, you know, of him in the streets evangelizing and, you know, the finger of God movies and stuff. And I'd be like, that's what my father looks like. Cause Jesus only did what he said and he saw, or only said and did what he saw the father say and do. And, um, Todd White was living like Jesus. Yeah. And so I'm like, my father is extravagantly generous and benevolent and he's kind and he never turns anyone away that that would come to him in faith to to receive prayer or healing, you know, and um he's wild. Like he's a wild man and and his love and his passion are unbridled for the lost, you know. And as I watched Todd White model what Jesus looked like, 
I'm like, that's what my father looks like. My father looks like a lion. He looks bold. He looks ferocious and uh, to the enemy and kind, you know, he's a safe place. He's, he's funny. He's intelligent. And, and he is always giving of himself. Um, and it helped me walk out my faith. It helped me begin to, to model, um, to others and not doing it on purpose, just, just living to look more like Jesus. It began to attract other people to the father as he was giving expression through me. And and I feel like, you know, in this season of like God carrying us in grace, see the word grace, it's, it's so much more biblically than what we see when we read it. I feel like there are some words in scripture that, you know, they're just basic words that have like kind of turned Christianese because you don't use them in any other context except for in church or, mm-hmm. you know, in scripture. But the word grace actually comes from uh, a root word that was connected to the word agape or agapeo, which agape is the noun for God's um, unconditional, meaning that, and even the word unconditional, like what does unconditional mean? It means that it's something that is not changed based on what is received. Like it doesn't change. It comes without merit. Like if I sign a contract and it has, there, there will be conditions. Like if you do this, then I will do this. And that's what the old covenant was like in scripture. God said, if you will do this, then I, you will be my people and I will be your God. And these things won't happen to you. There were conditions for God's blessing to be over the old covenant or to be under the old covenant. Now we've entered into a new and a better covenant that is based on the blood of Jesus rather than the blood of animals. and. It is a covenant of God's unchanging, undeserved, um, and without conditions, love and goodwill towards us. And, and not just towards us as believers, but towards, the, towards all creation. This agape love was understood as a universal type of charity um, that could only be revealed through a deity because it was a supernatural type of love and, and type of caring and generosity. Hmm. Um, and so when, when Paul was writing, you know, the, you know, the Bible, what we read today. And, and when John wrote the epistles, verse, the epistles yeah. Um, when John wrote, you know, uh, John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that word God, so agapeot, like, cause it's an action. Agape is a noun because it's who God is, but agapeo is the verb because it, it, that love expresses itself in action. Mm. And so from that word, it was actually translated later into the Latin into caritas, which is where we get the word charity. 
and it became grace. Hmm. But it's a supernatural kind of love that gives everything it has sacrificially away. So when we read scripture and it talks about God, um, us being saved by grace, by faith alone, right? Well, that grace, it is actually God's charity, meaning that um, it's like, uh, I mean, I don't want to say it this way, but like food stamps, you can't earn it. There, there's nothing that you can, it's like, it's a gift. Right. You're not, you don't pay yeah. for it. I mean, yeah. If we really want to break it down, you can say, well, it's taxpayer dollar, but that's not just, if yeah. you apply for food stamps, you, if you meet a criteria, like there's no, like, okay, now you need to. Pay. Yeah. Well, see, even that is conditional. Right. Right. So like, I'm saying that if you can imagine like you're poor, you're naked, you're blind, you're sick, you are a prisoner of war and you have been led astray into torture and torment and there is no hope for your life. And then, and you're a horrible person and you know, you're a horrible person and you've done terrible things. And so you know that everything that you have, you actually actually, you deserve. And then there is this benevolent King who comes in and he wages a war and the way that he pays your penalty is by laying himself down so that you can be set free. And not only does he set you free, but he actually gives you his inheritance. So he's the son of a king with a massive kingdom, with massive wealth, with massive power, with massive authority. And he just came to where you are, fought your enemy to set you free releases you from prison and then he gives you the inheritance that was actually left to him and makes you a son of a king that's what jesus did and when the the authors of scripture wrote this and and the 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 original audience of scripture read this that is what they would see is that he didn't just love us but he actually gave of himself sacrificially, not desiring anything, mm -hmm. whether or not we were going to do good to him or have a relationship with him or love him or serve him. Because he died for all of us, every single person that has ever lived, he died for, yet not every single person that has ever lived has had a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's an extreme generosity that blows our minds. Mm -hmm. Right. And so with that, it's not when we are given grace, you know, his grace is sufficient for us, meaning that it is everything that we need. It is actually everything that we need. It's not just God's favor, meaning that he chose us. Right. But it's also his supernatural divine empowerment and supply for everything that that we need coming against anything that we face so you know it's it's interesting i i remember when god was like preparing me and like calling me into ministry like i would go to these events and i would go up to the man or woman of god and i would want them to pray for me and like receive an impartation because i felt so uh 
insignificant or incapable just in my own human strength, right? Like I don't have what it takes. Like, so whatever you have of God, I want you to lay hands on me and I got to get that in order for me to do what I got to do. And I will never forget um, one of the last times that I went to receive an impartation, the person that um, was ministering looked me in the eyes and he said, you are lacking no good thing in Christ. He said, I will still pray for you. I will, you know, still ask God to, to give you the anointing that I have on my life. Mm-hmm. But he's like, the Lord wants me to tell you specifically that in him, you have everything that you need, whatever you need, you already have it. You're not missing anything. You're not lacking anything. Now you just need to step out and do what he's called you to do. And that was a really profound moment for me to be like, okay, well, so how do I activate this grace? It's by trusting him. Mm-hmm. It's by trusting him. And allowing that process to play out. You know, I think that sometimes we can look at like, well, I want to, I want a transference of anointing or I want think something like that. And it doesn't look sometimes there may be somebody listening. We're like, actually there was one time where I did feel it just instantaneously. And that's cool. But my experience has been like, not that it's been like having to walk stuff out and just step by step and just allow the Lord to, you know, the amount of time that it takes to get to that place doesn't make what God told, you know, said would happen any less true. It, it, it happens, it gets fulfilled. Um, and I have that guarantee. And so, yeah. Yeah, we do. And, and I have received impartation and been absolutely undone and know that God did something crazy. Um, I had that happen with Randy Clark and with Heidi Baker. Um, I, that was crazy. And I mean, and that it is real impartation by laying on of hands is real, but in this instance, it, you know, I had gotten to a place where like I had received, but I did not believe I did not have faith yeah. that I had what I needed in order to do what God had called me to do. Mm. And so, um, it, it's all about a, a change of perception. And so with that, with God's agape, his charity, his benevolence, right? His grace being sufficient for us. And this year being the year of extravagant grace, like we need to understand that whatever hardships we're going through right now, because I really believe that there's like a deep thing that God is doing in people's souls right now um, to expose the crutches, the things that we've been leaning on that aren't Jesus, right? Um, and to begin to challenge our uh, performance-based Christianity, hmm. you know, um, where are the areas of our life where we feel like, you know, God's not pleased with us because we're not doing enough or because we didn't do this or because we did did something that maybe he disagrees with Yeah. Um, and realize that he's exposing those things because he wants to carry us. And, um, that's the only way that we're going to be able to get to the higher place or to have the things that we need. And, um, I actually was, he kept saying the word benevolent to me, uh, this morning while I was praying and I was like, well, what does benevolence mean? And I I looked it up and it actually means to give a financial, 
uh, gift to somebody to that cannot repay that gift. And I'm like, oh, so is this about, um, I thought this was just about like soul needs and, you know, spiritual needs, God. He's like, no, it's about your physical needs too. Like this is going to be a year where my grace is going to be sufficient for you, where my benevolence, my charity is going to be sufficient for you. And that where everybody is, you know, saying that there's going to, you know, the economy is crashing and this is going to be bad and whatever, whatever, like God is actually saying, no, I'm going to make sure that you have everything that you need. And he was specifically speaking to me about organizations like, um, you know, 501c3s and and nonprofits and uh ministries that are are doing works for the Lord and and their you know finances are like our works to first nations people our works with you know post abortive women and to save the unborn like all of the stuff we do it's entirely based on giving just like Eli- you know Elijah list you guys digging the water wells and the amazing stuff that you guys do behind the mm-hmm. scenes that nobody even knows about it's all based on generosity and i believe that the lord is really anointing people in this season with um not necessarily underground but but he's like oh man i feel the anointing on this <laughs> With things, um, areas and, and streams of revenue that uh, previously have, have not felt like they were really blessed, but in this next season, they're going to be massively blessed um, and that he's raising up kingdom financers um, in, in 2024 that uh, like Joseph's you know, um, and we're going to see that and it's not just going to be believers. And that's really challenging for people to hear too, but you know, like guys like Elon Musk, um, you know, I don't know a lot about him, but I know that God's talked to me personally about him and about how his, uh, his mantle is to be a kingdom financer and to pioneer technology for, um, for his, his kingdom's advancement. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I believe that we're going to see more guys like Elon Musk be raised up or, or actually be con- converted um, in this. Yeah, next- I just think with him, it's a matter. It's only a matter of time. You know, a lot of these guys, it's been interesting to see who are kind of like on the edge. I think it's hilarious that like Joe Rogan has been very outspoken about his criticisms of Christianity. And yet he continues. There's clips that pop up every couple of weeks of him, his mind being blown of like the authenticity of certain things in the Bible and all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, it is, it is a ticking clock, my friend, (laughs) you know, but so I want to go back to the thing you said about like streams of revenue that we've deemed weren't blessed or stuff. What do you mean by that? Is that like what Elon Musk does and things like that? Or like elaborate on that a little bit more. What do you mean by that? So what God is giving me right now um, like actually like in this moment is, okay. um, uh, digital currency. Okay. So, um, I don't even really know a lot about that. Uh, but I, I like Bitcoin. I don't know. Yeah. I know that Bitcoin is worth quite a bit, but I feel like there's going to, there's some other, um, you know, digital currency that that's going to explode in um, in wealth. And then I also see like, I see God kind of what like what he did in 2020, where he um, for many of us, he just set us aside um, and we were kind of like forced to look at 
other things that we were blessed to do. And those of us that stepped out, you know, they've began to, you know, they, they prospered, but I feel like, um, there's that. I feel like people are going to start some new businesses. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Um, there is really something on banks right now. And, um, but it's Christians within banks and also financial, like people that are like financial advisors and um, risk management uh, sort of personnel that God is giving downloads to. Mm. Um, and it's like, they're just going to know how to, or they're going to have an anointing, I should say, grace on their life to have favor with boards, um, favor with, you know, boardrooms, meeting rooms. And they're going to say, look guys, like this is where we're going, like the people are speaking, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like this is, this is going to be the the new phase and what you're doing here is not going to work. So to that, Krista, I feel uh, a piggyback on that is there's a lot of Christians who've been positioned in different mountains and there's been a process of positioning. And um, I know of, I've talked to several Christians that have reached out to me through this show and just my association with Elijah streams who are in big companies and um, in the arts and entertainment industry, government, all of that. Um, And the reality, it's not lost on everybody that a lot of these institutions are failing. Like Hollywood is bleeding out. Uh, they've had strikes, they're hemorrhaging money. They've had failure at box office bomb after box office bomb. Uh, look at the government. Like it, just a lot of this old, the old wineskin thing is not just for the church. I think that it's for society. And I think that there is going to be moments where it's like, there are even Christians that are like, why am I even here? I feel like I'm supposed to be here, God, but I don't see like anything. There is a moment in time coming where Christians have been given alternative solutions to problems in the world. And people are going to, there's going to be a moment where, where Christians are going to be able to step out and be like, Hey, if I may, this is, I think this is going to work better. And here's why. And this is how we would do it. And they go, congratulations. You just got, you just got promoted to project leader or whatever. And these are going to be actually kingdom solutions that are going to course correct a lot of um, devastation that we're seeing in the world right now in different industries. Absolutely. And it kind of ties into, you know, the next thing of what I was going to talk about after Jesus carries the bride into the house is that there's really no place like home and that, um, oh my gosh, I feel the presence of God so strong right now. There's no place like home. And, and a lot of these new wineskin things, there is a mass exodus, uh, from corporate, um, and consumer society culture 
and there is going to be a mass uh, influx of people returning to the ancient past or the simple life, the simple way of doing things. And, um, you know, until you realize that like the FDA is freaking evil, right? They're freaking evil. Mm -hmm. Um, and that the FDA is actually married to Congress married to all these people that we vote for. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, even the people that we think are righteous, you know, um, yeah, a lot of these guys have trade stocks in Pfizer and Moderna and, and that's why, all these guys, even though they've not gotten the vaccine, are saying, well, I'm not saying that vaccinations don't work or I'm not saying that it's because they're all being paid. You know, they all, all have skin in the game where they're like, well, I want I want this thing to succeed because, quite frankly, I want I want a big payout, you know, and and so it's it's not a lot of this has been pushed because they don't want to help us. They want to help themselves. It's greed. Right. And you can't. Once you're awake, you can't go back to sleep. And and that is what is happening. Even with people that believe that all this stuff mm-hmm. in 2020 was a conspiracy, oh, yeah. you know, like in droves. In people droves, are, yeah. they're they're coming back. And not only that, but even um the government, like the school system, there's a mass exodus happening right now of public schools. And and it's only gonna continue. And the only response that people are going to have is that one, either their company needs to, needs to wake up and needs to start being more wholesome, right? Um, or they're going to lose everything. They're going to tank. And so, um, I, I do want to share this word that I got. Um, I had been uh, I was actually praying on Rosh Hashanah at my friend Micah Levels Church, who he's an incredible guy, um, amazing prophetic voice. He prophesies over me and and nails it. Like he'd be driving in the car and send me a message and be like, "Hey, Krista, have you blah 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 blah?" Because the Lord just told me blah blah blah, and he'll like not even know. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, that's wild." Mm-hmm. But um, I was at his church on Rosh Hashanah. We were praying. And, um, I went into this vision where I saw Jesus standing on a street at night, uh, in front of a lamppost that was near the front doors of a church. Okay. And the fire in the lamppost was like dwindling. And I watched him take the flame from the lampstand in front of this church. And he held it in his hand, uh, and close to his heart and began to walk down the street And as he walked down the street, he stopped at what looked like a cul-de-sac and he walked up to this one house. It was, you know, this humble, like two story, you know, family house. And there was a lampstand in front of this house and he actually released the fire into this lampstand. And I watched as like the glow of the fire, like it began to to give warmth and light to the entire block that was completely dark. It was like pitch black. And, um, I watched the house and the first light that came on was actually in the parents' bedroom. Hmm. And then the light 
came and it filled the kitchen. And then each one of the kids' rooms lit up. And then the last room to light up was the family room. And I watched this house literally turn into like a light house. And there was this supernatural light that was like shooting out of all the windows and it began to permeate the darkness. And I, I could see around the block that there were like demons and um, there's like evil things like lurking in the dark in this neighborhood. And as the lights lit up in the windows of this house, the, the creatures just began to got yeeted out of there. Yeah. Yeeted out like dispelled straight up. And um, it was so powerful. And um, I actually watched, I wrote it down here. So it, it wasn't just a beacon of hope to the neighborhood, but it became a beacon of hope to the entire city. Hmm, that's cool. And um, it was a safe place. And you could hear the laughter and the love of the family who was in God in the house. And it echoed off the walls. So it became like this frequency of joy that was being released into the entire city. And I watched the family through the windows pursue peace and unity as they sought to understand one another. I watched as the parents organically discipled the children as they broke bread and ate family meals. I watched the children begin to have encounters with the Holy Spirit and be empowered to step into their authority as believers. And I watched as the whole family rallied around any member that was hurting or messy or struggling. And they prayed together. And most importantly, they stayed together even when things were very hard and very painful. And um, it was. After this, I saw this family deliverance um, that happened in the family room where the parents began to pray for a child and led mm-hmm. their child through through deliverance. Um, all of a sudden, the front door swung open and the light from inside the house stretched out down the sidewalk and it turned into the yellow brick road. Hmm, sweet. And I started to hear that line from the Wizard of Oz, um, and I saw the ruby slippers clicking their heels. And the Lord began to speak to me about, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and mm-hmm. wisdom represents rubies in Scripture. And that anyone who, um, in this next season, encountered the fear of the Lord would begin to walk in wisdom and would remember that there's no place like home. Love that. That there's no place like home. Mm. And the family then began to, as they were just doing life coming to and fro, um, not only did they glow, so they were a house of light, like they were a lighthouse um, that would begin to pierce the darkness that was permeate per- permeating people's lives, like as individuals, right? Um, and would begin to help people navigate their way out of the fog of spiritual warfare um, mm-hmm. and, the, and the fog of, of being lost and not knowing Jesus. But they, I saw their mouths become doors and their mouths, the Lord said, this is the year of the invitation. And I saw people, I saw this family open their mouths to invite people to dinner to invite children from their, you know, their kids, you know, sports groups or from school to come and spend the night. That's cool. 
And they began to disciple or to, to, to teach people that did not know Jesus, who Jesus was by showing them that the kingdom of God is about family. Mm. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is wild. God, are you showing me that you're going to remove the lampstand from some of these Western churches and you're going to give that to houses? And he said, he said, I came that I might dwell among a people. Hmm. That's awesome. And um, he said, there is a invitation in this hour for those who have been sanctified in my love and have prepared their families. Now, this doesn't mean that families have to be perfect because nobody's perfect. Okay. But, and I believe that this is something that's happening right now. And I believe that this is something that we're going to see over the next year, that families are going to become prepared to pastor and shepherd home groups, home meetings, house churches. Um, And he said, as my people invite the lost, invite my prodigal sons and daughters, you know, invite the uh, strangers, the hopeless, the homeless, the widow, the orphan, um, the lost, the lonely into their own families, not just as, as guests, but to invite them in to be a part of my family. He said, you will see the mass evangelism of your nation. And I saw, I, I was instantly taken back into um, the book of Acts church. I have been there in dreams and in visions. And he said, I, I saw the verses and, um, and they broke bread and they ate meals together and they dedicated themselves to prayer and to fasting and to the apostles teaching. And many miracles were done among them. And the church grew um, exponentially. And it's interesting because the very next chapter and, and, you know, you see the church is being persecuted and then the disciples go and they pray and they say, God, anoint us again with, you know, boldness, stretch out your hand to heal, you know, and like fill us again with, with your spirit, you know, and then there's another outpouring that happens and, and I really believe that in 2020, we saw kind of the beginning of this where God was like opening our hearts and our minds to what it would look like to gather together in small groups and homes because mm-hmm. churches were shut down. Yeah. And I feel like 2023 was that third chapter where the persecution, right? Like we've, we've been experienced, like all the stuff that we've been seeing in government, I believe we're going to continue to see that. But when there's persecution, even in from the religious system, see, for many of us in the remnant, there has been a, this past year has been a mass persecution from the religious spirit. I think it's a great point, Krista. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and I, and I've, I've heard so many stories of people that they're like, they're lit, they're on fire with the Holy spirit and, and they just want to gather and they just want to worship or they just want to pray. And you have these religious leaders in areas that are trying to say that these, these 
on fire believers or vagabonds or they're in rebellion or uh -huh. or they have the strange fire let's right. talk about it when yeah it's just like yeah and that's you know and it's not the case at all that's persecution yeah no i think know? that's a great point yeah because i think there's a lot of vilification of the um the the prophetic uh pentecostal types um and I, I mean, people know I'm I'm very adamant about the I love the word, and I think it's very important that we base everything that we do off of that. However, um, you know, like people know my story; they know that I I grew up on the other side of this whole thing and making fun of the prophetic and all that stuff. And 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 then I had an encounter with the Lord, and when I was 18, and it just led me down this path of here I am now, you know. And and I think that. Um, so I know what it's like to be on the other side of that, this whole thing. And there is a genuine, like, it's always voiced as concern, but then that concern turns into, and, and when you talk to a lot of these people, you'll say, and I, some of these people are my friends. Like I have these conversations with them and they're like, well, I believe in prophecy, but you know, they, they meant it, they're cessationists without even realizing they're cessationists just because everything they hear is they're like well that's not it um and so yeah i i think that 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 then opens you to what you're talking about krista that that it is persecution i didn't even i didn't even draw the the connection because i lauren and i were talking about it uh yesterday how we're so frustrated with like there are whole pages whole channels on youtube that their whole function and they claim to be christians their whole function is to call out other Christians. And it's always voiced from the, the side of, well, I'm just concerned. I think it's important that we have a biblical foundation. Um, right. So yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I And I totally agree with you. Yeah. And it is, I guess I'm just weary of it, I think, you know, just right. like weary by it. Yeah. And then you see other, you know, um, and I, and I'm trying, and I'm not, I'm judging sin. Uh, I don't judge people. That's mm -hmm. not my job. I judge sin. Mm -hmm. And, and that's another thing you have, you know, uh, some big voices that don't realize that when they're calling, uh, out another brother or sister in Christ who might have a ministry, right. Um, that when unbelievers are looking at the church, they're seeing one church. They don't see denominations and they don't see sex. They see one right. church. Yep. And so that's why they say, well, you guys contradict this contradicts that. And you guys are hypocrites and this and this and that. And that's why that is why one Jesus did not die for denominations. Okay. Right. He died for one church, one bride, one family. And you know, this is the thing when you go to a house church, you're not asking people what their denomination is because they're not affiliated with a denomination. Mm -hmm. But when you have an organization, they the very first thing out of somebody's mouth is what denomination are you associated with? I get asked that all the time because they want to see what it is, how you function. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so when you go to a house church and the power of the Holy Spirit is just there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um it's not going to matter. That's, that's not going to be the thing. And then unbelievers are going to see like, wow, like 
Jesus really is everything that I've been looking for. Yeah. You know, and it's going to be men and women. It's going to be mothers and fathers who are going to be willing to open up their homes. They're going to be willing to be inconvenienced. They're going to be willing to lay down their lives in charity and in benevolence which is fitting for us as believers who are the only demographic who can even identify with God's agape love because we've seen it firsthand in the mm-hmm. in Jesus laying down his life for us. And so I, I feel that like as as the mothers and fathers and and married couples, even if they don't have kids that um and even singles that are just willing to love and to nurture and to be generous and charitable. Um, begin to invite people into their homes, then what is going to happen is these individuals who do not know Jesus are going to use their mouths to invite Jesus into the door of their hearts. Mm-hmm. And so that Jesus can come and dwell in them um, as he's dwelling in the atmosphere in the homes and, and on families. And that is where the anointing is going to be. And this is going to be the only way that we are going to evangelize the nation. Um, you know, I, I asked the Lord um, about, you know, cause he was showing me stadiums and like, I had gotten prophetic words about like preaching at stadium events and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if I do that, that's super cool. I just want to be where Jesus wants me to be. Actually, that sounds a little nerve wracking to be completely honest. <laughs> um, but I'm, I, if I ever did anything like that, my goal would be for evangelism. It would be like a Billy Graham crusade, mm-hmm. you know, but I am seeing more and more, even with the big, um, you know, events that I speak at, there are very few, if any, unbelievers there. Like conferences and these big events have become recreational or equipping hmm. things for people who are already saved. Yeah. And so, and is that wonderful and is it needed? Absolutely. But People are lonely, they're lost, they're orphaned. They just need a place where they can come be safe, where they can be messy. Right. You know? Well, and like, what's the, what is the negative, what are the negative connotations surrounding the church? Because again, like you were saying, it's not a denomination thing. And someone could have grown up in a Pentecostal or a cessationist denomination and come to the same conclusion that you know, the, the church is not loving. Okay. So that is a major um, negative connotation. We know all of us listening, we're surrounded by a lot of really incredible people who love Jesus and who are genuine. Okay. But the world doesn't have that. They're just judging us as a whole, like Krista was talking about. So I see this strategy from heaven, which I believe it is as as a way of completely bypassing all of that, or they go, Hey, why don't you come to church with me? Suddenly somebody's hit with like a massive wave of anxiety, right. And fear. And we'll find every reason not to, but if they like you and they connect with you, say you meet them like same cashier every week and you just jam. Right. And you know that they're not a believer. They could even be a lesbian. They could be whatever. And you go, Hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to come over? And suddenly, they're like, that's a 
that's a much better strategy. But if we have everybody doing that, right, then it's like maximizing the effects. Right. Sweet. So here's the thing is that like Western church culture has made it to where, I mean, it really is a spectator sport. So it's only the person who has this thing that has permission, the microphone that has permission to preach. And that's not true. You know, um, actually to preach just means to declare, to teach, to instruct, um, and to speak. And so I was preaching the gospel while I was doing hair, you know, um, and I was demonstrating God's love. I was walking in God's love and, and discipling people and that didn't know Jesus through the salon. And it was so hard for me to sell my salon when God called me into ministry, because I'm like, I win souls here, Mm -hmm. you know, like God, I bring people to, I mean, every, most people that know me, they know Rylan, um, you know, who she was in a witch metal band and I just loved her and she ended up giving her life to Jesus. And she's like one of my best friends in the whole wide world now. Couldn't imagine my life without her in it. And it just came from me saying, Hey, you know, like you don't have to come to church with me. You don't, you don't have to believe the same thing I believe, but will you be my friend? Mm -hmm. Will you hang out with me? Like, Hey, you want to come to dinner or, Hey, I know this might not be your thing, but we're having this party that kind of looks a lot different than like what you might think church is. And we would just really love for you to come and like be here with us. And, you know, and then while she's there, like pray for her and, or when she, she was struggling, um, she would share me, share with me something that was happening in her head or in her heart or something going on in her family. And I'd be like, you know what, like, I can really identify with what you're saying because, you know, when I was at this place in my life, you know, this is what Jesus spoke to me. And I am so grateful for my relationship with Jesus because this is who he was to me in that season, or this is how he healed me of that, or this is how he led me out of that, or this is, um, you know, how he uh, ministered to my heart or taught me something different when I went through something similar, you know, and it got her thinking instead of me judging her for her struggles or for where she wasn't. God just had me love her where she was at. And as I loved her, she began, the Holy Spirit led her into all truth. And, and that is, that is how guys I'm speaking to everybody listening here. Not everybody can be a Paul. Okay. Not everybody is called to be um, a John the Baptist. Not everybody is called to be uh, a John the Revelator, okay? Or Peter, all right? Like the the people that write these big stories, the ones that have that place are called to demonstrate to you how to follow Jesus so that as you follow Jesus, others will follow you, Mm -hmm. okay? And it's to give you permission to live your life in love with the Lord and then invite other people to experience that relationship as you walk out your life, inviting them alongside of you. Yeah. Right. The Holy spirit, the paracletus, he's the one that's called alongside. So we're walking with him. Right. 
And as we invite others to walk with us, that's the Jesus model. Mm-hmm. I mean, he it's, it's the Jesus model. Mm-hmm. Come and do life with me. Hey, I'm going to show you how to be fishers of men. You see how I just caught your attention right there, Peter? Come on, come with me. Come walk with me. I'm going to show you how to do what I do. Right? I mean, that's, it's, it's really simple. We follow Jesus as our leader. Jesus is our leader. We follow him. We follow the leader. And then we invite others to come and walk with us until they can see him for who he is. And, and it is to be, this is what is, is really going to cause the reformation that we need. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we see, we have these gifts like social media TikTok, Instagram, like most people out there that are getting on this whole, like crunchy, crunchy mom, organic thing. Like I probably would never want chickens unless I saw somebody else who was a hot mess like me, um, being able to take care of chickens. You're not a hot mess, Chris. Well, you don't see my life, but you know. Hot mess express. I am. I'm not. I am not the most organized individual. Okay, like I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm just doing the best I can with every day, you know, trying to. And and maybe that's why I. I'm I think so you needy. described a lot of humanity. Yeah. Right there. You know? <laughs> so, but I see. You know, I see other friends of mine that are just as ADHD and prophetically caught up in the swirl and, you know, and they're able to raise more kids than me that are younger than my kids and able to homeschool and able to foster. And they've got chickens and they don't die. And I'm like, well, if they can do it, then surely I can do it. This isn't going to be that. But until we see something, we don't believe that we can do it. Right. Yeah. And so I, and just, I think that that even that though, Krista is very subjective because there are certain things that you could read in the Bible and be like, well, Bible says this. So that's, that's just what it is. So I'm just going to go do it. Right. Like what you're hearing, help us continue to make Elijah fire and the Elijah fire podcast possible to get behind this ministry. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give now back to the show. But then there are other things that we do need to have demonstrated and that's not going to be a one size fits all like okay well krista was able to pick this thing up in scripture very easily when she said yes to jesus um or easier than other things in her life but for me it was this area that she says she struggles in but that was an easier thing for me to grab a hold of but so even that is very subjective and that's why we need each other yeah you know and and that's why the church is literally anemic and um the church the western church okay um because there has been a primary focus on a one person leading from the front of the room and uh and this isn't all churches so please i'm not casting everybody under this stereotype okay but in most situations if there has not been a um, encouragement or an emphasis on discipleship, then people are coming to this this house every week waiting for a word from one man that has revelation from his perspective, right? 
and they get fed a very little meal and then they're going home and they're not giving more. They're not, you know what I mean? Like they're not getting more. They think that that's it, that they get fed one day of the week um, when really they don't realize that it is a constant flow from the Holy Spirit that when we're you, you, as you uh, release, you increase. This is what the Lord told me. He said, as you release, you increase. And so, yes, it's important for me to get my time with the Lord and be fed in the secret place. But it's also really important that I am releasing the revelation that God is giving me because then God is pouring more of his spirit into me to fill up the, what was just released. And I need what you carry, Jeff, you know, vice versa as well. Yeah. And so everybody on here, if you've have a testimony, which you should, and you, if you're in Christ, you should have more than just your salvation testimony every day can carry a story. Yeah. Um, then your voice and, and your message is important. And, you know, God's voice is like, this just came to me. It's the sound of many waters, right? And so as all of our voices are joining together in a crescendo of testimony, of praise, of worship, of adoration, of, you know, um, making him big and making him glorious and, and um, lifting him up our voice becomes this um, deluge of like an outpouring of the spirit that is going to begin to purify uh, the nations um, as they hear the word of God, you know, and, and in scripture rain is actually um, it's prophetic for teaching, right? So a disciple is just a student. It's just it's just somebody who's learning from a teacher. You know, right. Jesus, yeah. they they called Jesus rabbi. They called him teacher. You know, mm-hmm. they they called him Lord or master because they they were submitting to him as a student saying, you have the right to teach me how I ought to live. And then he said, after they had went through their training for three years and then graduated with the infilling of the Holy spirit so that they could actually do and live like Jesus did. He said, now go disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. And teaching them to obey my commands. Well, the greatest command that he left them with was to love each other, even as he loved them. That was the Mm -hmm. new commandment that Jesus gave us was to love because love fulfills the law. You can't break, you can't break the the law or the commandments when you love like God loves. And, and so really this whole thing is really about us teaching people what he looks like by actually walking in what he's taught us Mm -hmm. and, and talking about what he's taught us. And so, as that happens, um, you know, in, in the way of like house churches, house, house gatherings, fellowships. And I, I really see like an explosion of like communities 
that are going to come together. And I don't know why, but God just um, showed me this um, probably because it's going to happen. That was a huge hallmark of like the Jesus people movement, like the Jesus revolution. And um, some of those people actually moved to other states and they created communal like like colonies um, and they became cities on a hill. One of those communities was a woman. Uh, well, one of the women, she became um, a what do you call it? A midwife. And God gave her revelation on, you know, how to be a midwife and, and how to train midwives. And she's in Tennessee and she's like one of the leading voices on, on how to be a midwife and a doula. And wow. half of our, you know, team that is interested in that with our women's movement have actually been trained by her, Dude. but it was her and her husband and another couple moved to Tennessee and they began to do exactly what I'm talking about. They had home gatherings and they began to buy plots of land until they had an entire city. And now all, wow. all these different countries come there to learn and be trained of the Lord how to midwife. Hmm. It's very interesting. And I believe we're going to see more of that too. Um, you know, and and that's when cities become cities on a hill that yeah. can't be hidden, you know? And whoo, wow. My goodness. I actually just feel that there are maybe people on here um that feel called to have like home group meetings. Yeah. Well, and Chrissy, yeah, why don't you just take it away? Cause we only have like 20 minutes. Cause yeah. I so I just take it away, pray, do ministry, all that good stuff. Yeah. So this is something that we're actually going to do a launch of in my mentoring community um, is going to be home group gatherings and training up um, like home group pastors and shepherds um, that are going to be able to to do this and to love messy people well. But um, I feel like there are people on here that might not be in my group, although there are a lot on here that are called to this too. And you've i'm i'm getting the impression that the issue has been that you thought that you had to have permission from your a local pastor mm, yeah and that that ministry had to be something that was overseen by a local pastor and um I just feel from the Lord to give you permission to do the thing that is on your heart to do for God, um, especially if it is hosting people um, and inviting them in, eating with them, discipling people, and um, that the Lord is going to highlight these people to you. Um, and I, I actually feel like God is going to bring you a helpmate. If you're not married, um, I don't know why I'm seeing like a single woman right now. And, and I actually see you with one other girlfriend and you've been wanting to start like a Bible study group or something. And um, you've just been like waiting for permission or not knowing how to go about doing it. And the Lord just says, invite your best friend over for coffee and open up your Bible and start praying together and, and practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as you do this, um, 
people are going to be drawn to your light just as you are walking around doing life. And the Lord is going to have you invite other women that might be part of your local congregation, but not just part of your congregation. The Lord says that this, the reason why um, it is going to flourish aside from being associated with the church is because it's for the lost. He wants to bring people who are broken. Um, I, I keep seeing uh, connections with like a recovery house um, or like transitional living. Um, people being invited to your house from transitional living or out of recovery programs. And I just see it being very organic. Just be led of the Lord. Wow. That it doesn't have to look a certain way. It's not a program. It's we're gathering around a person, right? The person of Jesus. Wow. And I hear somebody saying, well, I'm not necessarily a teacher and or a preacher. And I just feel the Lord say, then allow my word to preach. Allow my word to teach. And discuss as you read my word and you allow me to preach and you allow my Holy Spirit to teach, um, allow the Holy Spirit to, to draw and to um, bring clarity and bring revelation. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So some of you have been feeling like you've been missing, like, well, I don't, I don't do this or I don't do that. So I have to have a person that does those things in order to do this. And God's saying, no, that's not true. All you have to have is a willing heart, an open heart, um, and a desire to love sacrificially because the Lord also wants me to say this. There is a cost to following me. There is a cost to this kind of life. And that is that is that sheep bite, right? There are misunderstandings. There are breakdowns in communications, you know? Um, and in order to do what Jesus is calling you to do, you have to allow him to carry you. And you have to be dead to your ego and dead to your pride, dead to your need to be right or your need to be vindicated in order for him to be glorified. Because I tell you what, friends, it is when we love with that extravagant, undeserved love towards people that know that they have treated us like garbage. When we extend grace to them and say, hey, you know what? Like God chose you and I'm not going to give up on you because mm -hmm. Jesus didn't give up on me. That that demonstrates more than any other thing you will ever do who Jesus really is, right? Because his sheep didn't just bite him. They crucified him. They, they whipped him until there was no skin left on his back. They pulled off his beard. They spat on him. They pierced his side. That was the cost. He suffered to save us right? He suffered to love us. And when you're called to this, you have to be just as God asked me before he launched me into ministry. He said, are you willing to suffer for my namesake? 
Are you willing to be despised for my namesake? And I said, God, if it's if it's good enough for you, Jesus, it's good enough for me because your grace is sufficient for me. And you will lack no good thing. You will you will not lack what it is that you need to walk this out. I promise you that God will get you through it all as you continue to submit to him, as you continue to acknowledge him. And um, so actually right now, I just feel to release um, the, the mantle of the shepherd over you. Wow. Yeah. So right now in Jesus name, um, I just thank you, Father, for what you're doing and, and what you are preparing us for as we walk into 2024, mm-hmm. that this is um, a sacred moment, that it is a, a sacred threshold, a crossing over moment into a promised land, into the, um, yeah, into a, the promised land, God, into the desires of our hearts, the things that we have been longing for, um, specifically for those people that have this desire to be a part of a community and a family. Um, and God, I, I thank you for just right now releasing the mantle of the shepherd. The mantle of the shepherd. God, you've taught them how to be your sheep how to follow you. And now you are going to put a, um, a light on the inside of them that is going to be contagious so that those that are groping around in darkness will see the light and will begin to follow the light that is in them back home to their good shepherd. And God, I also just um, feel to release the anointing of um, the preacher, the proclaimer, that you would begin to put on people um, the boldness to declare your word and to declare their friendship with you specifically. God, I, I feel like this is the prophetic preacher that talks about their friendship with Jesus that makes relationship with Jesus irresistible. God, that you would put that on people as well. And God, I thank you that you are going to continue to impact culture and change culture, that you are going to bring a macro movement out of micro environments. Yeah. Thank you, God, for the great commission, not the great suggestion. And I just hear the Lord saying, any of you on here that is, um, that you're feeling this, you're witnessing with this word right now, the Lord said, stop waiting for permission. I already commissioned you. Wow. Woo. My goodness. Holy Spirit confirm that right now. He said, I commissioned you. I said, go into all the world and, and disciple the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey my commands. I bless you guys to walk like, like wild ones, 
Wild stands for walk in love demonstrated. I bless you to live a wild life for Jesus. Mm. Wow. That wrecks religion, that destroys boxes and brings dead things back to life in Jesus name. Mm. Holy Spirit's on you, Jeff. You got anything? Uh, no. I mean, I, I I'm I'm being ministered to as well <laughs> through this. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I guess like, I just feel like there's a lot of, I just really felt that um, persecution from religious, the religious spirit. Um, uh, I've faced my fair share. Krista, you have as well. Um, and um, that's not a, that's not a deterrent from, what God, um, what God is doing in our lives and actually something that I, I got earlier in the show. Um, but I just didn't, I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but something that I say a lot, um, you know, talk about exercise and, and physical fitness and, and taking care of your body and all those things are really important. But something that I always say as a motivator to myself or to someone else who is just like, I do not want to work out today. And then you slog through it and it can even just be, you feel off. You feel like you're just kind of like, yeah, it was just an off day. Something that I always say as an encouragement to myself and others, I said, you are, you are more in shape now than before you started working out, even if it was a bad thing. And, and I really felt a translation into our walk with the Lord. And some of you need to hear this, that maybe today was a day that you just felt like you were tripping every step of the way, but you got up and you kept going or you repented and you kept going. You look more like Jesus now than when you woke up and let that sink in. You struggled, which is actually a good sign that you are pursuing. Jesus is struggling is, 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 walking out this life of following Jesus and yet you tripped up, but you got back up and you kept going. You look more like Jesus right now than you did when you woke up this morning. And I think that that's something that's like, that's, I really feel like God's heart on that, that he wants some people to know that. So just one last thing, Jeff, um, cause I know we got to wrap up, but I was feeling like the Lord said that some people were feeling disqualified because maybe their spouse wasn't saved or maybe there are still areas of their life mm -hmm. where they're struggling. And I love that when Jesus gave the disciples the commission, he did not put requirements on it. It was an unconditional, unconditional command to go and teach people. And you don't have to have, you know, house church in your house with a husband who may not believe the same thing as you. It might not look like that. What it might look like is you inviting somebody over for coffee and you guys together breaking up your, open your Bibles when your husband's at work or even better yet it, and I'm probably going to challenge or rebuke some people now, maybe God's calling you to be an evangelist in your own household. Mm. And he's calling you to stop operating in a critical and judgmental spirit that causes wow. the people in your own family 
to not know who Jesus is. <laughs> and when you start walking in God's radical agape love that is unconditional, and you begin to walk in grace that is unmerited towards the people in your household that don't love you well because they don't know how to love you, then maybe they will actually see what love is and Jesus will be irresistible to them. Uh, and wow. so um, that's where it all begins and ends guys is like in the house, like we need to walk this way for our families first. And, and guys, literally the most persecution is going to come in your own household from family members that don't know Jesus. But here's the thing is that it's not their responsibility to love you well, when you've been when you've been the one that's received the revelation of what real love is, mm -hmm. it's your responsibility, not theirs. Yeah, that's good. And so, um, that's, I, I went through that with my own husband, you know, the Lord said, you focus on you and you focus on me. Let me work on your He's heart. Like, you do you be, he's like, you do you boo. <laughs> that's exactly what he said. He said, you do you, you let me work on your heart. You listen and obey me and I'll, I'll work on your husband. Yeah, that's good. And as good. I got delivered and I began to walk in greater understanding of God's love. I released my husband from his need to love me because he didn't even know what love looked like, but I did because I had Come seen on. Jesus. And, you know, now he's like, he's amazing. He's anointed and he's a great teacher and, mm -hmm. you know, the head of our household, the spiritual head of our household. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that. You don't have to be perfect. Things don't have to be perfect. Jesus gave you permission. Um, to change the world around you, despite your failings. Yeah, no one yeah. is perfect. It, if, if, if people had to be perfect before they could preach the gospel, none of us would be here. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. You know? Yeah. So, so thankful that God yeah. chooses to use imperfect people that just have a desire to love him perfectly. Mm. You know? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Um, Krista, how can people follow you? Get up to be up to date on all the exciting things going on. Um, you can just visit my website, Christalish.com. All of my links are on there. I actually just recently had a uh mentoring session about keys to family deliverance that was on fire. Um, and it was privately recorded. But I posted it on my website for free. So if you want to go listen to that, you can find that on my website on the mentoring tab. You can also what find it called again, uh, Elisha's Mantle Mentoring. But my website is www.kristaelisha.com. Does the does the the video though have a specific title? The one that you were talking keys about? To, yeah, keys to family deliverance. Okay, I just wanted yeah. to say that I wanted wanted to make sure people got that so that they. Okay, got to go to the website, Keys to Family Deliverance, boom. Yes, and then all of our podcasts are on there, including some that my husband are is on that are really great, um, and my book and all my channels. So if you want to learn more about what Arise Kingdom Ministry does and our um, our worship ministry come up here or speak let everything is all on my website or you want some merch merch oh yeah we've got some really sweet new merch mm -hmm. my favorite one it's uh the last supper and it says you can sit with us oh that's cool 
Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, Krista, thank you so much. Um, I just, I, I love, I loved this word. I love, you know, it just definitely uh, resonated within my own spirit. Um, of just like God's heart, very, very much in step with what I've been hearing from the Lord. Um, so yeah, thank you. It was great. Oh, thank you. I'm and so glad I got to spend my birthday, birthday with yes. one of my favorite peoples. I said, the only thing that would have made it better is if we could have been in person. That's true. But not this year. Not this year. Yeah. But maybe next year. You never maybe. know. Maybe you Jeff will know. actually make it to Ohio to visit his sister. I know. And his, and his little sister down here in Cincinnati. I know. I got all kinds of all kinds of people around that area that, you know. It's hard when people love you, you know. They, I know. They just, or just if you just know people that you, you're close with all over the place and you're like, Oh man, I wish I could. I just want to take you to the the real Skyline Chili, dude. That like Skyline Chili. I want yes. to take you to the original, the OG Skyline. Skyline. Yes, that's right I, down the street from where um, William Seymour stayed. By the way, before he went to California in Azusa Street. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's well, lots just... of cool revival history awesome. in Ohio. Love it. Well, uh, you know, we'll we'll cross that bridge. The Lord will allow it to happen at some point. So. The Cincinnati Bridge. Yeah. Away from the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, everybody, that's our show. Have a blessed Friday. Tune in on Monday. We've got Shannon Ringer and or Shannon Dabrowski and Abby Dupaga back together, uh, and they've got a great message. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with them. That's at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, don't forget the uh, podcast version of Harmony Klingenmeyer's Teaching Series Kitchen Table Kingdom drops tomorrow on all our podcast platforms. So make sure to listen to that. Listen while you're working or while you're driving, all that good stuff. Um, so be blessed, you guys. And we will see you on Monday with Shannon Dabrowski and Abby Duplug. I love you guys. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Today.